Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we learn about the biblical figure Enoch, whom is spoken of in the book of Genesis. Enoch is famous for the angelic light language and its messages which he translated. Now we're going to discuss the newest Enochian angel messages with writer Daniel Rection of the Book of Galactic Light. So with that, Daniel, welcome to Mokapa Chakras. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I had lots of fun last time interviewing you um, with the last topic, and I'm just super delighted to to interview you again and you know talk about taking initiative and then pulling in a Hail Mary I mean I spoke to you like six months ago when you were helping hypnosis clients explore alien contact via consciousness exploration after watching one of the macabre chakras podcast episodes covering beyond quantum healing BQH with Candice Graw Goldman now you have a book going on your next phase of your spiritual evolution. So tell us, how did the book of Galactic Light come into being so quickly? Uh, <clears throat> thank you. Yeah, there's uh, a few different ways to answer the question. Um, it, it is actually uh, the product of 10 years of work, it turns Ooh. out. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit. But um, since we last spoke, um, I, I have been practicing hypnosis with clients to support ET contact, particularly around the missing time experience. So people who have an encounter that often understood to be abduction from the common media narrative, which I actually believe is, is more of a disinformation campaign than any, any other truth to it because of the uh, statistics we see. That's not to say that the aliens are not a threat or that we don't need to use discernment. It's just not a horror movie type experience that most people are having. Um, so I was working with one client that had particular resonances with the experience of Dr. John D and Edward Kelly, who are magicians from the 16th century. And the reason why I would, I feel he had resonances or this experience with this client who had a missing time experience, uh, it, it seemed too relevant, that experience of the, from the 1500s to now, because they seemed like prototypical hypnotists. One, 
One, Dr. D would ask Edward Kelly to go into trance. Edward Kelly would say what he's seeing. He's often seeing beings that we would describe in the beyond quantum healing experience, like uh, angels or extraterrestrials. So they had this dialogue between D and Kelly and these Enochian angels. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I thought it was really relevant. I, I thought it could provide the answer for me to move forward with this one client who has extreme connection with the other side, but hasn't yet, hasn't had a full integration experience with it. He speaks about it publicly. So it's, it's not breaking confidence uh, in terms of how I'm speaking about it. Um, so that was one reason I was like thinking about John D and Edward Kelly as a possible solution for this case. The other side of it though, uh, there was another event that happened between when you talked and the inspiration of this book, which was uh, I participated in the Making Contact Convergence online event, which mm. brought together hundreds of people to talk about ET contact, brought together dozens of experts. And I got so very much triggered by uh, an alien threat narrative, meaning mm. um, the threat is that the, the narrative here is that the aliens are only after our resources and that they'll rape and pillage us like the pre-Columbian or like the explorers did uh, rape and pillage the American uh, Native Americans on this side of things. So the alien threat narrative puts out this idea that we are like those indigenous people about to make contact with the Europeans and that the aliens are like the Europeans coming here to take our things. So that, that narrative in itself was triggering to me. Um, primarily because there wasn't another side represented. And one of the sources of that narrative uh, is a man named Marshall Vian Summers, who offers a sort of channeled work of an angelic assembly that's really just full of fear. It's, it's basically fear porn, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought, you know, we need a different, uh, you know, if people are turning to this as a source of wisdom, they need to know that they can communicate with angels themselves. They need to know that they can connect with ET consciousness themselves. They need to know that they themselves are the source of discernment mm -hmm. about those experiences. They are the authority of wisdom in their own life. And that's really important because these alien threat narratives are generally taking of that uh, free will experience and saying, this is going to happen. That's not actually the case. We don't know. It looks to be about 10% of the uh, ET interactions are negative in that way. 90% mm -hmm. are neutral or positive. 80% actually are positive sort of. And this is based on statistics from the Beyond UFO study, which involved mm -hmm. like 4,000 individuals. So anyways, I, I, I get, I have this situation happening. I thought, said, you know what, Dr. D and Edward Kelly channeled this way to communicate with extraterrestrial beings. Mm -hmm. They were central to the European colonization of North America. So something in here will reveal how, uh, how this alien threat narrative, how this colonialistic issues are coming about, and perhaps we can actually make contact with those entities that were involved with the magical foundation of the British Empire. So it's, it's a really kind of complicated way. I then decided to do their ritual, which involved like 30 days of chanting this light language and see, recording my visions. And so the, um, the Book of Galactic Light is the transcription of that, uh, of that ritual. So yeah. the, 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 from the 30-day 
is a British chanting ritual that you did. What's the name of the chanting ritual? If somebody yes. wanted to try it out. <laughs> so that's called a few different ways. Uh, John D would call them the 48 angelical keys. So mm. that is a uh, language. That's a series of chants given to D and Kelly from who he thought were Enochian angels in the language, light language of Enoch. That's what John D thought. Mm-hmm. So these are recorded. Uh, you can get to that. Um, there's a few different texts. Um, and again, it's sort of like a Da Vinci Code sort of experience putting this together. Um, but that is, uh, I'm calling it the Enochian apocalypse working based on some of the work from the 1990s about this, which understood it to be kind of a series of invocations of a apocalypse, meaning a rending of the veil between worlds and not necessarily the sort of... Um, destruction kind of experience we sometimes associate with a apocalypse. right so so um is those 30-day chanting ritual that brought this what you would call vision quest of messages yeah. um enochian angel messages um is that found in this book if somebody wanted to learn and try that out for themselves um in the Book of Galactic Light, I don't have a copy of those yet. I'm working on uh, a, like a font treatment of the Enochian language. You can uh, there are references actually in the book to places on the internet where you can access that. I just don't have the copyright uh, availability to have the the script okay. yet. Um, you can also go to Cosmic Dream Sanctuary's YouTube channel and go to the Book of Galactic Light playlist. I've recorded everything. So mm-hmm. from the beginning to end, you can see the chanting. Um, there are references to the online resources I use for chanting. So you can use that as a as an example. And the invitation here is for you to have your own experience and things like that. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, the 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 personal experiences are the most profound ones because learning and then listening and you know um, hearing other people's experiences and the messages they get is is good, but the the deepening experiences, the personal ones, when they have their own personal journey. So 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 if people wanted to try that out, that technique out. Uh, just go to your YouTube channel, which I'll put in the show description, and then you you show the techniques of how to do that in the YouTube channel. I do, yes. And there's okay. also a, a video called An Inquiry into John D. Karma, a Magical Founding of the British Empire. And there's another phrase to that. But that inquiry, which is in the there, really talks about the academic context and where you can get in information. Because there is this, it's, a, it's very complex. It's esoteric work, uh, and it's... It's sometimes like Da Vinci Code trying to put this together, but uh, that's where you can turn to. Okay, but you put it together so people can watch it and then they can duplicate the exercise for themselves. Exactly, yes. Very, very good. So that, so that, that is available for those explorers of consciousness to do that 30-day Enoch uh, chanting ritual. Um, so now you got your messages, you put it into your book of Galactic Light, um, and you also involved the founder of BQH, Candace Craw Goldman, into the research, did you not? That's right. Yeah. So um, about the time I received, uh, so in in context with the work uh, I was inspired to do, I, I did a CE5 experience with mm. uh, the, the man 
my client who uh, had contact but doesn't fully integrate or remember. We did a CE5 experience. We called on light shifts and things like that. Two of the two of the uh, two or three of the participants actually saw a UFO fly across the sky. At that moment, I was actually called into meditation to contemplate, and I was like contemplating the karma of John D. Edward Kelly. This situation, mm-hmm. and uh, from there, I, I said, "This is something that's really important." I went ahead and I did a BQA session with uh, Sonia Wilder. Um, about this matter. And it said, do the ritual, but you have to study beforehand. And so uh, you have to have a certain um, understanding and capacity with your mind in terms of working with sacred geometry, in terms of working with this chanting, in terms of knowing the history behind this. And so I put together a nine-week study group about John D. Um, it was, I wasn't convinced I was going to do the ritual, but in the work of that group, I, I decided to do the ritual. Mm-hmm. Candace, Candace responded uh, to a posting on BQH because Dolores' spirit told her to. And so that was mm-hmm. one of the contribution she had was sort of speaking for Dolores. Uh, Candace didn't participate in every single one of the, the experiences, but she did, uh, you know, she was a great supporter and she, um, had this story of multiple realities blending together. Um, mm-hmm. I called for I called for omens from all of the participants to help the, as research, really. And so she brought forward this story of three different realities sort of converging in her kitchen, where there's three different storylines, basically around her father getting a glass of water, and her husband remembers something different. Her her uh, Father was in a weird place in relation to her memory. So it was literally like three different uh, realities coming together. Oh, that's a precursor, you guys. I am actually working on a, a future episode with an author. I'm not going to disclose him yet. He's He has done um, government. He said that he has done some government alien contact uh, projects. And one of the things is, different realities to try and emerge into the highest frequency reality which is the one that we're in there's a whole blending of realities everybody's trying to kind of move into other people's turf because they have uh, maybe a better reality <laughs> i don't know so, the whole conversation so it's funny that you bring the form that there's that in this research you found that there was three realities trying to trying to blend into this one uh, why would these realities try to blend into this one? What is what do they get out of it? Uh, what did they, what are they escaping out of their reality? Out yeah, of it that, too? That's a really good question. Uh, I had thought in terms of the Candace's experience, I had thought of this as a message or an omen mm. for the work. And that that it turns out I didn't know before I went into what the ritual or visionary experience would be. I had no idea it would actually be what it was. But mm-hmm. in terms of the communication, there was a tremendous amount of communication about navigating parallel realities and seeing the new earth as a kind of uh, conglomeration of multiple parallel realities. And that there's like this consciousness of the new earth that extends like in this parallel reality and that parallel reality. And it's all sort of uh, invitation to come to a deeper sense of gravity in oneself um, to, to be able to navigate these different realities. And so that's how I interpreted Candace's understanding here. Yeah. Okay. So, so that brings me, 
And and do you cover some of these uh, traveling the multiverse conversations in the book? A little bit, do you t- touch it on it a little bit, or is that something on another project? Yes, uh, in this book. So the the book itself uh, has preparatory material and material afterwards. That's sort of like uh, you have questions, I have questions. These are my perspectives. Mm-hmm. The book itself, the thirty day ritual is a visionary experience that could be understood something like the book of revelation. So it's it's symbolic words, but they actually, the angels communicate in, in a way and they, they tell, they told me about navigating the multiverse. So how to do that, uh, what, what kind of imagery is available for us to think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally it's, it's around, uh, they like the imagery of a book, you know, so we're on one page of the book. There's many other pages. Uh, the, the New Earth is that book. And it might actually be the library shelf. And it might also be the librarians and library. But um, yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm going to break this down for people because, uh, you know, when we're talking about multiverse, parallel realities, multiple, the multidimensionality of your consciousness, um, in in the mastery of your life, uh in how you shift from one reality to another. So um, this is beyond conversations of is the Mandela effect real or not real? Okay, so that that has been, I actually did an episode on that, but that's been established. Yes, it's happening. Um, and it is an example of people traveling between different versions of reality between the multiverse through the consciousness. Now, here's the way to understand it, okay? Just like what you were saying in an analogy earlier of, uh, let's say, indigenous peoples, their worldview became bigger when, you know, col- co- colonialism came by and they colonized their plate, their their area. Um, people from other parts of the world came in. They saw that there was more than one version of people and there's more than one version of cultures uh, belief systems you name it just this is a multiplicity of existence within our known world now if you go beyond understanding the known world and let's say you go beyond let's go you go beyond earth and you travel to different planets you open your your, yourself up to different planets different universes that worldview is going to expand even more and you're going to have to navigate uh the different cultures the different races the different nuances of the universe the planet etc now on a spiritual level that's the horizontal travel but then there's also the vertical travel of dimensions and and which is separated by frequencies um and we talk this, about this a lot in buddhism in ancient um advanced buddhism when you're ready for the multiverse conversation you'll be talking a lot about sound frequency and consciousness and that plays into uh which version of reality of the multiverse because it's separated by um frequency um which version you're going to go to. And so if you are a conscious being within within samsara, within creation, and you are traveling the multiverse within your consciousness, just like there are guidelines for the best traveling experience for if you're going to travel to different places on the earth, or you can travel to different places if you are in a galactic society to navigate the universe and different planets so that you have the most pleasant experience there are guidelines suggested 
to travel in the multiverse as well. So you don't get into dimensions that maybe are not as pleasant for you um, as you would like. And so that you experience dimensions that are more pleasant for you and you have more enriching um, conversations, interactions, and uh, enjoy your your presence and your life in those higher dimensions of reality. So, um, and so this is a conversation and there's no right or wrong because everybody has a different version of what they'd like to experience. But this is a conversation that you are having with the Enochian angels is to how to travel the multiverse. So with that preface, did these celestial beings that co-authored your book, because you say that, you know, that the celestial being co-authored it, what was their mission or intentions for basically leveling up the conversation beyond um, John D of these are the light language, but now you can use these light languages and, and these techniques to travel the multiverse within your consciousness much more pleasantly. So, you know, what's their intention for bringing that out now? Uh, yeah, they, they want to, they want to address some of the old karmas of empire. Um, that's one of the, one of the, so there's many different causes here. Um, but one of the dimensions of cause is the addressing of karma associated with John D and his communication with uh, angel, the angels and what happened after that, which was mm. the expansion of the British Empire. And essentially the uh, genocides of people and destruction of environment. They've, they, they're, it's sort of like they tried their best with John D and like it was just at that historical time where it was colonialism was going all over the world and it's unfortunate. And so just like we have to address some of those issues in our life, just by the fact we exist here. So, and, and we're not bad people because our, we're, we're using plastic bottles or, or fossil fuels. It's just the system. And we individually have a choice to work with that system and elevate that system. So too, they're like people on the other side being a little horrified at the destructions of the environment and what, what's been happening. So they want, they offer this communication as a way to address some of that. So that's, that's one of the flavors of communication. But right now they're saying that we are actually in a moment where it is important for us to reach out to some, some of the, uh, some of the density. So they use the term density to describe this multiverse experience of consciousness and they are inviting us to reach out to um, aspects of ourselves, essentially. So they see themselves as aspects of us because we are, turns out we are more than the physical body, uh, more than this lifetime. So they see themselves as something like us um, and something like the interaction between us and source consciousness. And so they have this intelligence that can act at different levels, but they, they invite this understanding of working with uh, the multiverse navigating these things. They've, they've provided this um, primarily for us to be able to engage with our the greater community of beings that surround us so that we can really embody an experience of peace, love, and unity consciousness, which will be of benefit here now because of the historical pressures of the climate change issues, the social issues that we're experiencing, this whole strange, uh, strange world of, uh, you know, the medical military industrial complex thing. Mm -hmm. so they say you can step out of that. If you, 
if you relate to consciousness in a specific way and tune into your own natural capacities for relating to this greater community of consciousness so that you can choose to navigate where you want to go. And so it is sort of like a, a cheat sheet or a cheat code because we don't actually have to develop all of the specific technologies and historical time to address a lot of the issues. We can we can go and say, okay, I want the best. I want the best version. I want the highest frequency. I want I want to go up into this this place where I myself am a creator consciousness mm-hmm. and, and can actually affect the three dimensionality of our experiences here and now. Okay, so let's give some real life examples of how we can. So first, define who are the knocking angels? Who are they? You say they just they exist between source and human con- human consciousness. So you know what the archangels are uh, they? Yeah, from the so from there's a like three different perspectives here. One is the Book of Enoch, where the the word Enochian comes from, and those would be defined as like Archangel Uriel, Metatron, uh, Michael, um, and then we've got John Dee's recording of that, and he uses the terms Enoch, uh, like uh, Uriel, Michael. These angels in his time didn't behave like the angels back then in some specific ways. And then we've got my own working of that. And so my own understanding, and they've, they've actually offered uh, a metaphor of something like a neon tube. So one side of it's source consciousness, one side of it's me. There's gas in between. When electricity happens because of the ritual, because of the need for contact or whatever, there's this light thing that happens and it rises up and out of both both sides of it so that's that's one of the metaphors they use to define themselves um it seems as if they actually do have uh sometimes physicalized expressions sometimes they've identified themselves as uh it's more more or less for me a collective a council of Mm -hmm. probably uh 12 representatives of different cultures and things like that um that are all mediated so it's a it's a these celestial beings are something like a council of extraterrestrial angelic mm-hmm. beings that are mediated or facilitated by this angelic consciousness. Okay. So are they, so, so they're, they're energy beings uh, in, in a higher dimension of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so they're not physical beings. They're not like you and I, they're not solid in at all. Yeah, no, they are not solid whatsoever. Okay. That was a that was a shock to me actually in terms of how to how to interact with them because they were something like a frequency of consciousness. Okay, okay. So so yeah, because if you go further than the fifth or sixth dimension of consciousness, and you go into the higher dimensions of consciousness, into the let's say the archangel realms and above, because there's a lot there's many different realms that we don't know at all. But if you go into higher dimensions of consciousness, you get further and further in, into energy and all the way into energy. You could you get to source itself, um, the consciousness and energy of all. But so they're a set of consciousness at somewhere between solid form beings and then source. So I'm just gonna say hypoth- hypothetically archangels or somewhere around there. Okay. Now, just because people can re- 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 they can relate a little bit to that. Um, if they get so close to the human ones, they might incarnate as a human. <laughs> so they, so why don't they get so close to actually, you know, speaking to humans and engaging with humans? I mean, they, they, it, there seems to be, they, 
they seem to be a little bit distant. Why, why a little bit of distance-ness in their messages? Yeah, so the, the sense of distance here is they actually want us to do a lot of the work. They want us to do most of the work because we're having experiences here for a reason. It's, and generally that's learning, I would say, mm -hmm. or healing or something like that. So the, the sense here is like, um, you can ask them for, so they say, hey, we have technology is, uh, is, is offered to you, but you actually have to do the work of establishing a meditation practice. You have to do the work in consciousness to be able to hold, uh, hold coherence in both waking and dream state. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to understand these, uh, you, you actually have to forgive um, those, those aspects of yourself that you, you may not want to forgive. So you actually have to, they invite us to do a lot of the prerequisite work to doing the fifth, the fifth density things. Um, and so that's one of the reasons, uh, I mean, another reason is, is that the sense of presentation of physical body is, um, it's, it's sometimes problematic. I mean, like the ETs even have a hard time coming into this sphere mm. physically. So, um, they, they are inviting us to raise our frequencies up uh, to meet them. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it comes. Okay. So let's, let's give some real life examples. So using their light language, can you, what are one of the techniques of using the light language to raise your frequency up to these uh, higher dimensions or where there's a higher version of reality within oh, the multiverse? Yeah. yeah. Can you give us an example? Yeah, so the, the Enochian ritual, as presented, the 30 days is one of those experiences, and that is a, a ritual of celestial communication. That's also a ritual of attuning, uh, attuning your physical body with different aspects of their system of magic and communication. So that's, um, that's one example. They don't actually care if most people use their light language. That's, that's mm -hmm. like, uh, it's, it's like, these are angels and extraterrestrial beings in the, the understanding with the Anakian light language and ritual is that if you're called to do it, go for it. That's great. The, the language itself has a capacity to make the consciousness, the matrix sort of dissolve a little bit. Um, but that's only for those who are called to it. The, the thing that they would invite you to do is uh, to go through the process of meditation to establish that sense of coherence, both in uh, dreaming and waking, and then to relate to the greater community of beings that are present in your world. So um, in my experience with the ritual, they gave me a tour, like a celestial tour of the inner earth, the, mm -hmm. the, the stations by Jupiter and Saturn. They, they, they showed me like star beings in the uh, star, sun, that sort of thing. Um, and so they, would, they actually invite, say, hey, there's a lot here that you can relate to. You should start with where you're at and that might be surrounded by some elemental beings there's angels in your life there's ancestors that are present and so the way to do that is really be tune into like a meditation practice and then just simply open up they have a message around forgiveness right so it's a sense of forgiving others and not holding on to grudges basically mm -hmm. as you go through this process um yeah yeah. So, okay. So, um, so these different light languages, are there different meditation techniques? The light language, I mean, it's, it's strange stuff. The, so the, the describe what chants, they are for people. Yep. So yeah. there's 49 chants in the light language. Right. Um, and, uh, 19 of them are preparatory chants. So those are sort of 
tuning in to different frequencies. Then there's one chant you do 30 different times when you change one, you change one word of it. And that is a way to open up a tunnel between your consciousness and a different layer of consciousness they call aethers. So aethers, and these are different realms of consciousness from outside the 30th to the most central, uh, central bit of consciousness, which is number one. And so you, you designate where you want to bring your consciousness or tunnel consciousness to, to have these visions. Um, so that's, that's one way of working with it. Okay, so let me let me get this straight. So the knocking angels light language are forty nine different chants, right? Forty nine, um, and each chant that you do has its own unique frequency. So let's say one chant is Earth's frequency of four hundred thirty two hertz or seven point eight three hertz. Okay, another chant is I don't know five hundred thirty two hertz, whatever, whatever the frequency is. In semantic research or sound made visible research, um, they can show which frequency the chakras are, which frequency, what the freak, you know, what the mandala um, and frequencies that different people are. And so I wonder if there is a way using the scientific method to get the exact frequency of each chant. And then you say the last chant is said 30 times. And that has this unique frequency because these different frequencies play on each other. You're like tuning yourself, right? You're yeah. tuning yourself using the chant. So you're, each chant is a frequency and then you're tuning yourself to another frequency of another chant. And then another, for you, you're slowly raising up your frequency. And then you get to the last one, which is a whole different frequency. Um, and let's say it's 444, for example, uh, the New Jerusalem frequency, for example. I'm not saying that's exactly it, but for people to understand. So let's say that's the last one. You you say that chant after you've tuned up to these different frequencies. You say that chant, which takes you to the last frequency. And then you say that 30 different times. And now your aura field, your energy field is completely tu finally tuned up to that highest frequency um, of consciousness that you can finally tap into what do you tap into again? Oh, yeah. So that would be a central source consciousness. That would be understood as creator God source consciousness is the central central experience. Uh, you're very right in terms of uh, measuring the frequency of the light language. There has been work done to do that. And that's been put forward out by a man named Vincent Bridges and also his friend uh, Dan Winter. So they've they've done amazing work in terms of seeing how this this light language corresponds with like sacred uh, language like uh, Sanskrit and Hebrew. Um, so there are correspondences there, um, actually. I wonder if Dan Winter and the other gentlemen or people who are uh, working on uh, putting the frequencies in the Enochian uh, light language chants, um, if they are putting it into some recording, and so there's something that you a recording you can buy. Here's the knocking light language meditation, and you listen to it to those. But they've already they they've converted the frequencies from the different chanting into music or into mm -hmm. some kind of like binaural beats soundtrack. Okay, and I'm giving people ideas. So for you developers who like to listen to Makaba Chakras and come up with things, test things out, I'm giving you guys ideas, okay? So you take the, the 49 Inakian chants that tune up 
the person's aura field to those high resonance. You convert it into some binaural beats with a different chance, whatever the, just and just kind of translate the chance into the frequency sound. Maybe put some dolphins over it or something. Some kind of, <laughs> some kind of, some kind of um, piece, the, the ocean over the music, over, uh, over the frequency of binaural beats. And then you you finally get to the, the 49th chant, which is X frequency. And then you run that thing 30 times. And so it's a quick, it's a nice recording that people can listen to during um, during meditation and it will run through all the frequencies and then boom, they're tuned into that frequency. And now that they have tuned into their, their aura field to that frequency, you're saying, okay, now you, you, you reach the consciousness with source or the consciousness with these Enochian angels. Or, I mean, who, does, who do you, who you, or is it you're just open to everybody? I mean, what's, what, what happens uh, in this space? So uh, there is, so one thing to know is that whole communication requires discernment, um, primarily because John D was a spy as well as a scholar and angel communicator. So half of his half of his records require discernment to say, is this spycraft or not? Then also in terms of how you're using the frequencies, reaching out to anyone whatsoever is generally not recommended in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of practice. Personally, I said I, I want to uh, tune into my soul lineage to any of the angels that are working with me who work according to the principle of non-harm, cosmic law of one, meaning their respect, free will, and can be of service here and now to, to be of benefit to myself and, and my relations. So mm-hmm. in that way, uh, I opened up the, the doors or the, the veil ba- through this ritual. Um, and then you reach out actually in each of the, each of the chants, there is you um, also chant the name of what they call a governor. So uh, there's three governors per aether. So three, uh, so there's 90, there's actually like 91 or 92 governors, uh, but these are angelic frequencies that have specific, um, it, it's understood to be sort of like power or dominion actually over the, or ministerial activity over that layer of consciousness. Okay, so so the 49 different, Enochian angel light languages, the 49 different chants of frequency. So each of the chants have a frequency. And in that frequency, you say the name of the three, I don't know, ambassadors of that frequency. And so then if they let you, you go to the next one, next one. Has there ever been a chance where people aren't able to make it to all 49 because their consciousness was not allowed to go there? Uh, yes, actually, uh, this oh. is, I mean, if, are you familiar with Alistair Crowley? Oh, explain to people. Oh yeah. So Alistair Crowley was, uh, he was a magician from last century. I knew of him by way of my Christian education. And he was an example of, of, of an occult person who you should not deal with. And he does evil things. Um, but he, he do what you will as a whole of the law is what his message was essentially. Mm. Um, he used this ritual actually uh, last century around 1911. Um, he got stuck at, um, they, I think the the 10th Aether. And he also got- Oh, stuck. he only made it to 10? He didn't even make it 49, huh? Well, he made it eventually. He made it all the way through. He produced a book called The Vision and the Voice. Um, but he had to do some work to get over it. He had like this really challenging interaction with the spirit. So 
So basically it's understood to be sort of like angel summoning as well. So mm-hmm. back in the old time magic, you would summon these spirits, these angels, and you'd, you'd bind them to your will and go do this for me. So he had that sort of activity. Uh-huh. Um, my, my invitation was I'm going to open this space. I'm going to call on the highest frequency of these beings, and I'm going to invite them to be of service to humanity here and now. That okay. Was, that was my, yeah. Yeah, so you had a much more uh, loving intention, whereas this gentleman in the in the last century who did this had more an egoic, selfish intention that he yeah, put out there. say that. So, you know, before, because before you do any kind of meditation, you kind of set out your intentions of, you know, kind of what you want to experience, et cetera. Uh, it's kind of like a, when you're doing these exercises in consciousness or these explorations in consciousness, it's kind of like your intentions are kind of like a, um, like offering. Like even you go to, when you go to a temple or, or you go to, uh, you know, they're going to do a blessing ceremony or whatever. Uh, most traditions, they have an offering, like here's a plate of fruit from the recent harvest, or here's our offering. So, but when you, when you're going to, these explorations of, of different dimensions and of consciousness, and it's all energy. What do you offer? You offer your intention. So your offering of a higher intention for humanity and expansion and growth and love is a much better offering than give me this, give me this, do this for me. Okay. Yeah. So that's what people should understand when it comes to putting out your intention before one of these exercises, you are offering something in terms of energy, what kind of energy offering are you offering? So for him, he only got to 10. And what did he have to do to get to 49? Before they said, okay, we're going to slide you through to 49. So So they obviously said no. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. I I got to the point of reading about he, he summoned, uh, he summoned the governor basically of, of the Aether. There was a challenging thing. He ended up like drawing uh, containment circles, like magical glyphs on the floor to like contain this spirit sort of, it was very much like a challenge sort of, uh, what you imagine to be a conjurer sort of experience. Um, and and I, at that point, I realized I was not going to have the issues he was having. So I stopped looking at his work as an example, um, more or less. Yeah. So they, they also call that like crossing the void, something like that. They see that that kind of experience as uh, ego death. So there there is some level of um, dying to self and being mm. reborn in the process. Um, mm. Yeah, I wonder. OK, so real quick with him. What was his name again? Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley. When he finally got to the 49th, 49th uh, level of frequency with the, the 49th chant, what did he get out of the experience? What what was his experience like? Oh, uh, was yes. it good or did <laughs> they send him all the way back? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, you know, uh, I don't actually know. I wasn't, I, I haven't, I, I haven't read all the way through his work primarily because it has this kind of dark quality to it. So you weren't um, really like resonating with the, the energy of the, of the experiment that he did? No, I wasn't, I wasn't resonating with it uh, primarily because of the service to self qualities and the, the sense of darkness and the sense of battle with angelic forces. Um, I, I I thought you know I'd much rather have a love and light experience um, than that. Yeah. yeah, you you wanted more. You wanted you were seeking more. Your intentions were seeking more uh, partnership, 
yeah. friendship. And whereas he was seeking more, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch a leprechaun and bring it in to show everybody else. Yeah, I, I totally get that. But that is a really good exercise in intentions, everybody. So um, be mindful of what you put out as your intentions when you do these um these different explorations the same thing goes when you're traveling between the multiverse within your consciousness and you're going i'm going to change my perspective on xxx or i've you know evolved with this perspective and then you change your frequency make sure your intentions are um are mindful of any uh, low-hanging fruit that you have yet to deal with because obviously he had some low-hanging fruit that he wanted to to carry you forward to the higher dimensions which is you're going to it was mostly egoic. You're going to prove me right. I'm going to bring you into, I'm going to bring you down here. You're going to prove me right. Um, I'm going to be able to catch a leprechaun and show everybody that kind of, that kind of mentality. So um, I get why they kept them with the 10 for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. They are pretty funny when it comes to teaching some people a lesson. Um, you know, okay. So mission and intention for humanity. So what, so the, the mission and intention for humanity for these different Enochian angels in these higher dimensions of consciousness is to just, as we evolve and travel the multiverse within our consciousness, um, what what recommendations do they have for us, like on, on safe travels, safe and healthy travels? I mean, do they give you any insights to share yes. with everybody? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just like a, a few steps. They say be more open than closed. So in terms of the in terms of like relating to others, you would have a tendency to be more optimistic and believe that another being has has a good will than bad will. So that's that's mm-hmm. more, be more open to your own intuition than closed down. So they say they generally say don't worry about it, but this is a good practice. They also say um, please do go through a process of forgiveness. Please do understand that all is one at some level, right? Mm-hmm. So all is one at some level, then forgive yourself because that's ultimately what's going on. Even the even the strange narratives, the covert humans, the darkness that we're experiencing, this is some aspect of ourselves. So let's forgive that. And then- embody- And how, how do we forgive some of the aspects of ourselves that are really just horrible horrible aspects in in some some aspect of it so what recommendations do they have to let go of the anger of the horrific things that transpired within humanity that are reflections within our consciousness since we were all interconnected so that's really hard for people to do it's the understanding that all is one they would actually they 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 said to me please do apply like classical conditioning methods to your mind to say all is one, right? So the, it's like use what's at hand to to do that forgiveness work. It's going to be hard. So they say it's like practice meditation. I mean, immediately after this, I, I upped my meditation practice. I started reading uh, the Lojong uh, Tibetan Buddhist mind training for this purpose. It's like the practice mm-hmm. of Tang Lin, which is breathing in suffering, breathing out cessation of suffering. So those are all very real practices that they said to me to do because I had familiarity with them. The invitation that they would really love to put forward is the understanding that we are living in a conscious universe, that all is one, and that there are actually assisting beings that can be of service in a way that isn't 
disruptive to our maturation as spiritual beings. So one mm. of the strong invitations here is to be able to call forth these fifth density or higher beings into our presence, because there is something like when we meditate with other people, right? Like the, 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 the people who don't meditate well, they, their heart patterns, their breathing patterns get entrained to the, the strong meditators. And we see that with the Maharishi mm -hmm. effect and things like that. So they, they would say, if, if you need some help and you, you want a physicalized example, call for assistance from this conscious universe that's actually surrounding you. It won't look exactly like it looks for me. It won't look like exactly like for you because you're a unique, unique being in a unique place surrounded. It's like you have, you have all these neighbors that are willing to assist you. You just have to open up and, and ask them, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are so many different meditation techniques. Um, I've gone through many on this channel. I And if you're even if you're like me and you're super lazy, sometimes you're super lazy, but you want to get your brainwaves straight to gamma or higher frequency. I actually use I call it the healing halo, but it's a PEMP and it's a gamma brainwave frequency um, band that you put around your head. And it's a mechanic that you can buy from um Dr. Sheely and Soren. I'm going to put the link in the description for you guys. That's for the super lazy meditators trying to get straight to gamma. <laughs> so, um, but there are plenty of other ones too. I've tried plenty of other ones. And sometimes you kind of, I don't know about you, Daniel, but I kind of switch between different meditation techniques. So sometimes I get bored of one, I'll move on to another one and I'll go back to my favorites. Um, but they, they all, you know, you get really good and they all kind of get to that that resonance point in your your brain hemisphere um okay so more meditation so yeah that one is that one is going to be hard for a lot of people because uh, you know I've done plenty of sessions with clients where they're trying to forgive and let go of the anger of being molested by their family member yep which is the most heinous one yep. that uh, that many people who have trauma in the childhood is family molestation and rape is the is the hardest one to forgive and let go but then when they go through and they see that multiple lifetimes they've been trying to work this out with that person and they have switched roles um and that they have picked a role that was very hard to give that person a you know there's like some kind of soul contract going on um they might not like, but they understand a little bit more. And at the same time, they are able to rewrite um, old wounds and rewrite the storyline as well. And those wounds completely heal like as if they never happened. Yep. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's those, there's those techniques, but um, even on a greater level, like forgiving uh, injustices in humanity that's really hard for some people, like forgiving slavery, you know, because so there's, there's genetic and, and family um, ancestry of conditioning from slavery that kind of stays within your psyche as well. So you're going to carry that to the higher dimensions and you can carry it to the higher dimensions because it doesn't, in order to have those those exist in the lower dimensions of consciousness. So you, how do you transcend, transcend these difficult situations within your psyche that are not going to be brought up to the higher dimensions? That's the hardest one for most humans. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I totally see that. And um, like in the ET contact field, there's a whole bunch of alien abduction experience that actually are happening. There's this whole narrative of like alien human hybrids and a slave race and like a slave planet. Um, and then, like you said, the very, uh, very uh, historical effects of like slavery and, and rape and things like that. It is hard. Um, it is hard. Uh, it does. They, but there's a couple messages that they would uh, put forward. One is, uh, don't worry about it so much. It's like work with where you're at, be mm -hmm. more open than closed because it's, it's, you don't have to forgive everything. And it's also, they're very clear. Don't tolerate that bad behavior. It's like, that's, mm -hmm. not, that's not welcome. You know, you can forgive mm -hmm. those beings, but you're, you're not, a, it's like, we can't tolerate in abhorrent behavior that that's not appropriate. So that's, that's a really strong distinction to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's some, that's some discernment there. That's, there's a big lesson about discernment when it comes to these to navigating consciousness and navigating the multiverse is to discern the lessons so um so it, it's like you may forgive the snake bite but you're not going to be best friends with the snake afterwards okay you, you're going to have some respectful boundaries like okay well i'm going to move on and you're going to go back to <laughs> To, to where you are, where you were, and I will move on my, with my path. I'm not taking you with me. We're not being best friends here. So, and that's okay. So, okay. So, um, so it comes to the question of um, respectful boundaries. Okay. So when we, because this is critical, you know, many traditions, even metaphysics traditions say, you know, you got to forgive, you got to let go. You got to accept what happened. You got to learn from it. You know, and this is very anecdotal for most people. Like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're going to do these these explorations into higher consciousness and make connections into higher and higher versions of the multiverse, where higher and higher, beings of higher and higher frequency exist in those higher versions of the multiverse, you you will have to be light in your energy, and that means letting go of the baggage. So. Um, so maybe a technique to let go of the baggage and forgive it is to not only learn from it, maybe do some kind of regression to understand the soul contract, whatever you need to do to help you let that energy go so it doesn't stay with you and hold you back into lower dimensions. But also um, maybe set some new boundaries so that you don't continue to keep yourself in those life lessons. I mean, do they say anything about life lessons? Because these are all life lessons. I mean, there needs to be some kind of balance. Um, yeah, they, they don't actually say much about like life lessons in terms of where we're at now. Um, mm. My own personal experience, and I think the reason why I was able to receive some of the messaging around forgiveness is working as a past life regressionist and seeing how that flip-flop between victim and victimizer works mm -hmm. and seeing how that from a different perspective, all of this looks really, really, really different and that we can tune into that perspective as much as we can, so. Um. Mm. Well, that, 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 yeah, that, that, there's a lot there that people, that, that people will be, work, will be working on. Um, because, I mean, I, I, I understand the intention, the mission of these Enochian angels is to have us, you know, be good stewards of the earth. Um, and as one of the missions and with regards to being good stewards of the earth, there's also balance in that conversation as well, because we can be good stewards of the earth, but 
you can go too far. And if you're, let's say, taxing and um, punishing people for breathing the air or for existing on land, you know, then um, it might be going a little bit too far. You know, so there has to be, I think, in my perspective, I think there needs to be some balance um, between human existence and being responsible stewards of the earth. Um, same thing goes with, you know, obviously you can't just let uh, a hurricane take over and you throw everything away. And then he's, afterwards you had to come back through and re rebuild and, you know, just all, all, all of, all of that conversation about balance. So balance, 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 discernment and balance, discernment and balance. It goes, it, those are the two lessons and forgiveness mm -hmm. Three lessons that humans really need to keep drumming home over and over and over again. Is there balance? Are you practicing discernment? So you're making the most wise decision. Um, is there any leftover baggage or energy that, that's holding you back that you need to forgive? And there's so many different techniques for forgiveness. So, um, so we'll leave it at that. So what is the vision of the new earth? that you found when oh, you yes. were <laughs> leveling up. I'm like so excited about it. Um, just, I can tell. Just, like, I, I <laughs> I'm trying to hold you back to just kind of break down some of the parts so people can get it and then we can go all the way. Yeah, so there is a sense of multiverse. There is a sense of community. Um, there is a sense of the earth as a psychical being in her own right. She is a being. You've said this on your podcast. It's like she is a being that is active and wise, and we can relate to her in specific ways. That the new earth itself seems to expand over different uh, parallel realities that allows you to interact with it. Um, the visions that they gave me are very, very beautiful. Um, they gave the metaphor of the earth and the surface of the earth being something like the surface of a magical table, a ritual magical table. And so they point to like uh, the experience of straight roads with asphalt and like skyscrapers as a as a magical setting to conjure up this world of like Illuminati experience of, of, of like wage slavery of, of subjugation of the earth. But then they give this uh, in vision of very natural uh, in tune dwelling and things like that, uh, where you sort of, there's no straight roads. You walk the natural paths that uh, align with the topology um, it, 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 it's, it's just, it, that was a very beautiful part of it. The other part that really excited me was, um, they talked about interactions with, uh, beings from other planets. So, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. they, they gave this example of, um, like a small community. They showed me a vision of a small community, a village sort of thing. Uh, there were a lot of high technologies there, but it wasn't as we would imagine, like with a glass skyscraper, it's very, very much almost like the hobbits and Lord of the Rings sort of experience. Um, and then there's the Syrians from Sirius uh, come in and they, they interact with this community in like a farmer's market type experience where there's, mm -hmm. and there's no, no sense of needing to trade for substance, right? As there's no, so everyone's all taken care of. So the only thing that's valuable to trade is like works of art, works of heart. Like, oh, look at this thing. It's from earth. It's from the new earth. It's so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know, let's trade with the, 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 the thing from Sirius, right? And that's sort yeah. of, and, and there's a whole ceremony of kind of joyful, locally based, 
consciously mm-hmm. based that consciousness based technologies that help you move backwards and forwards and that mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. another thing yeah Go on. yeah so so the the higher dimensions are what people will call the new earth the new reality heaven on earth whatever whatever names you want to add to it the the x dimension whatever it is so um as people move into higher levels of consciousness and they radiate and stay at those higher levels of consciousness, they travel the multiverse all the way up to the highest version of earth. And that's basically what, what this is. And at that level, we are basically intergalactic and meeting with other races of the universe um, who are already existing at that level of consciousness so that now they see us and we see them. Wonderful. And it's not like we're trading gold and mining and, and resources because when you are at that level and there is, is billions and trillions and infinite numbers of planets with resources, resources are so abundant that the only thing to trade is creativity um, and wisdom. And experiences that, that's yes. pretty much it that's right yeah the the one thing that surprised me in this experience was the nature of the technology too so we're talking from the point of view of like physical technologies at the higher dimensions or higher densities it's really based in consciousness and it's sort mm-hmm. of like a dream experience so it's like god or source dreaming this experience and at that level, we get to have sort of lucid dream type experiences where it's like you want to fly, you can fly. And you don't, mm-hmm. in a dream, you don't go mining iron to build airplane wings. You just fly. Mm-hmm. And so that's the invitation is actually to relate to the, the conscious universe in a way that can help you do those things. Yeah. Now, um, is that level of the new earth, is it physical or is it energy? So I, I personally try to, I, I like my approach is like psychological, spiritual, the angels were very explicit. Please expect this to be physical. That's their message. Oh, they, they say it is physical, huh? Uh, there is. A, so it's, it's existing in this phys- multiversal type dream level consciousness, but they say um, for the, those in the third density, the historical space time, like, please expect like visitate magical visitations of angels and also ufos that have ets in them like expect expect the ets to come physically here um, mm-hmm. that was one message that they gave it is it's, it's not, not just, just it's not just all in our head or in our in our psyche it it, it yes it it is physical yeah that's what okay. they would say i mean i'm okay. actually taking their messages i'm working with it i'm working with my dream practices i'm trying to follow their advice to see how physical it can get i'm not yeah. there yet at, at at all but uh eventually hopefully in the next can you send one good one to my front door i'd love to have them over for dinner sometime and see if they like the cooking <laughs> so, uh, yes so i hear you've given uh permission uh an invitation I've given the invitation to many people i want to have you over for dinner and, um, you know, tell me what your allergies or your food preferences are. And I will try to accommodate. Otherwise, you're just going to have to figure out that you like spicy Thai food uh, or, you know, whatever I'm making uh, barbecue, uh, whatever it is that you like for barbecue. So, yeah. you know, so I, I've given the dinner invitation. It hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for the dinner invitation. And the dream state, the dream state, state. OK, that's that's been done and over with. So I'm ready for the the. Yep. knock knock 
Um, but the the flying around above and and you know seeing thinking lights. Okay, done. That's done many times. I want the knock knock. Now it now now let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. We, okay, so um, Mandela. So are Mandela effects or changes in physical reality signals of us moving through our heart portal into new parallel earths? So I'm going to call these new earth parallel earths. So, I mean, what is the teleportation technology which these quote unquote aliens or higher conscious beings will be teaching us? Great, yeah. Um, the I think the sense of personal Mandala effect is exactly like you talk about the the eat the um, book of galactic light doesn't go directly into that as like oh by the way expect you moving through these parallel realities. I would say that makes sense to me. The teleportation technologies they talk about explicitly um, in the book of galactic light are uh, what what you might term the natural portal system. Um, mm. And, and so that is like there's a there's a portal from center of the galaxy to the sun from the sun to the earth throughout the earth there's intersections of they describe it as intersecting ley lines that con converge with astrological experiences to create these things like doors we understand them in the past as like fairy circles in mm -hmm. the, the the tradition of the Hopi it's called the door of emergence these are places where you can actually go to other space times. Um, so they, they say, yeah, you can use that. And they, they actually want us to, uh, be able to work with the energies that create those portal spaces here and now so that we can do it at a conscious level. Um, so they, they gave a kind of a vision of, um, doing it together collectively in a temple type situation. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to me the most feasible way of working with these technologies, um, they also describe, they say there's prerequisites. So there's three prerequisites for using the natural portal systems. They, one is single point, being able to maintain single point of concentration. So you have mm. to be able to not lose yourself in challenging or painful situations, primarily because you will mm. be dissolved or whatever and re-dissolved. Re the other mm. uh prerequisite they say is being able to maintain your consciousness your lucid awareness from waking to dreaming and then dreaming back to waking so and the reason mm. why you want to do that mm -hmm. is because these portals these natural portal systems are conscious beings the energy of the ley lines are conscious beings the energies of the, the planets or whatever that converge are conscious beings so you have to be able to invoke them and make friends with them and invite them into the play of establishing these portals. So you you dream that connection and then bring it into waking and then walk through there. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple questions to break that down for people to understand as they experience this or as they investigate this for themselves as an experience. So um so in lucid dreaming or astral projection or hyperspace meditation, whatever, um, deep meditation, hypnosis, whatever form in which you are going to get your yourself into that meditative state where you are having that lucid dream. So some people, actually a lot of people, uh, myself included, ha can have their, their whole life or they've gotten to a state where they remember when they wake up, they remember what they dreamed of. They remember all the details of what they dreamed of. At the same time, 
they know when they fall asleep, they know when they're in a lucid dream that, oh, I'm in a dream right now, even though I'm re- it's really real. And if there's something happening that they don't like in that dream, they will change it within the dream. Okay. Be like, oh, no, I don't like this. Um, I'm going to change it within the dream. Or they'll engage with the beings in the dream um, themselves, you know, like, like how they typically would. And if they really don't, and if they really are done with that dream, they'll just wake themselves up. So that's somebody who has mastered their own lucid dream to a certain extent. And so what you're describing in terms of moving between portals is very much that technique of being very um, conscious within the lucid dream. So if somebody is going to be traveling between uh, vortexes uh, or portals, they have you're saying it's best for them to get to that level that they have kind of mastered that technique within the lucid dream because it's much the same. Yeah. uh, It's, it's prerequisite because you are engaging with the conscious being of the portal, the consciousness of the portal itself. This is sort of envisioned like a wormhole, but it's actually like a conscious being. And I, I, I was present with my wife who gave birth to our son very, very recently. And that that kind of consciousness. Congratulations! Of Thank you. Number two. Had, uh, yeah, number two. Yeah. So girl, got, boy. Oh, boy, boy. So you have two yeah, sons now. We got two oh, sons. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Um, but so she was in a, in essence a portal being. She was in essence a portal being, and the, the the level of intensity of the consciousness of the portal beings I understand to be something similar to like a woman giving birth. So you want to really make friends with her, and you really want to not be like distracted right so in engaging with her and so um in the in this case the invitation would be to like like have a lucid dream and then invite the presence or ask for the presence of a portal being that can take you to where you want to go and then you make friends with that being they'll teach you that that's what the book of galactic light says is there's communities of consciousness around these portals that will actually teach you how to use those ones particularly for your need so the instructions i'm relating are sort of general like if you need to know how to it's like talking to old people in computers or whatever if you need to know how to install uh software call the geek squad and they'll let you know in particular that's mm-hmm. the level of instruction i'm giving here is like if you want to use a portal you have to talk to the portal beings and they'll teach you specifically in particular what to do okay so let's so let's say for example um because i give this exercise and some people have a great time with the exercises and some people go this is this there's nothing i'm getting nothing 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 so um you can take a dowsing rod into the nature trail wherever typically you can find those fairy rings the 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 rings of circles of mushrooms or um flowers that are that grow in a circle that's what they call fairy rings but typically that is where the portal point is um that's where the end the vortex energy is um but you can also take a dowsing rod and you can It'll, it'll direct you to where the f- portal point is. So when you find that portal point, typically people would sit in the middle of it and do a meditation to put out an attention. Oh, I just want a good journey. Just, you know, send me good information, whatever, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm open. So an offering, a nice offering attention. Um, 
and they will get whatever message or experience that, that they get. Um, and I've had quite a bit of people say different things with that experience. Now, what you're saying is, is that how you find portals on the Earth's ley lines, so the, the, the points on the Earth that has these portal markers? Or is there a different technique that you're using to find these intersecting ley lines where the portals are naturally yeah. resonating at? <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, so the technique that um, is offered through the Book of Galactic Light, which I'm still yet to do, actually, is well, no, I'm in pro I'm literally in process with it is to reach out uh, sort of like we would with a CE5, sort of like we would with a dream incubation experience. You say, I want to relate to that portal entity that that is because all, all beings, all these stories, all these dramas we have, this is just another story of connection. Like we have friends here, there's there's beings there. So there's going to be some portal or some experience that will resonate with you karmically. There's a reason why probably had past life experiences together. So you really invite that sense in. Um, my understanding would be it's through a dreamlike experience. In my own personal practice, uh, the, they gave me direction to put my wife into trans channel state to channel the consciousness of, of that portal space that we're working with. Uh, to have a communication and just to get to know each other in this point of view. Um, so it's less of a sense of a technical, it's more of a, more of an invitation like, oh yeah, you sort of mingle around, you sort of re like have a smile on your face, you have some small talk. And if you want to take it up a level, uh, maybe the portal would actually give you instructions about where to find it in nature, that sort of thing. And you, okay. you might actually do that through dowsing, um, depending on who you are. Yeah. Right. Right. So, cause, um, because you know, I've I've had the exercise, and I've instructed clients with that exercise to use dowsing rods to find those portal points within the Earth's grid um, grid points or ley lines, um, and that's where you would sit and do meditation. <clears throat> now, in to further in that, what you're saying is, wherever you are, even if you're not in those those ley line points that you found where there's natural portals and portals in nature, like let's say you're you're at the hospital with your your wife as she's giving birth you can tune into the energy of that portal consciousness wherever you are and then we see the same message in the same uh whatever blessings it, it is is being given generally yes so i okay. it's understood to be a non-local experience meaning it's not relative to the space and time mm. however there are factors right like are you in a good state of mind like are, are you under fluorescent lights are you you know breathing toxic chemicals or not of what's the atmosphere around because mm. those are our actual factors that for our human bodies and human minds really do impact so the the mm. invitation is to sort of create a space that works for you and for me personally it's a lot of walking in nature it's, a, it's like a, a meditation mm -hmm. room that's sort of nice and I don't have to yeah. fight energies with um, but again it's sort of because there is a non-local quality you can talk to anyone past present and future with your mind you're just dialing up the your friend the portal being in this experience. Mm. you know what I really would love to have Daniel is I would love to have some kind of um portal microwave or portal technology i can put my little halo um, machine on and then just dial the code i want to connect with the portal in sedona 
you know, 432, whatever, dot, 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 dot. And then, and then it's like, oh, yeah, here you are. I have a question, <laughs> you know, or I want to connect to the portal in XXX. But, um, you know, there, there, what about um, this? These knocking angels say anything about like if you create a field of energy using scalar light or any other kind of energy light that's tuning into a certain frequency. Um, let's say they created a technology where it kind of levels you up to to that level in the frequency up to 49 level of frequency and then you're tuning in. Um, can you create a port a portal around your body and then just transfer look like biolocate like you know <laughs> i'm just thinking i'm thinking out loud i wonder if the knocking angels gave you some kind of biolocation instructions because that's basically a portal using your aura field yeah uh so this is gonna be weird i mean like the whole oh thing God, weird. <laughs> yeah. um, it, so i was i was shocked they didn't give specific information around teleportation and biolocation because that that's really interesting they did give me an experience of talking with what what are called watchers and so how they watch they gave me an example of um, there's a meditation that they say that brings the density of time into your bones, a meditation that brings the density of time into your bones. And that's how these watchers sort of skip over historical time and can like exist from 12,000 years ago to now as the blink of a second because they're engaged in that meditation to portal through time. I would expect it's very similar to uh, space travel. Um, they, they, uh, they, they said that happens in context of uh, the consciousness of like a light ship so like a UFO or UAP experience where that that's the, the ship itself is holding that and the occupants themselves are engaged in this time density meditation. Um, okay, so um, each in quote, quote time. So we're in the year 2022. It has its own frequency. Yeah. All right. A um, hundred years from now, we'll have its own frequency. Five years from now, everything will have its, everything has a frequency within creation, whether it's location, whether it's time frames or whatever. So you're saying is they, um, these watchers, they have gotten to a point in their organic cognizant AI light ships that they can basically just put in the frequency of the time and the timeline and the location and you know all these different codes and then whoot, they're there and then they can watch and see how are they evolving okay well, let's go let's fast forward and see what happens though so how are they evolving so let me let me ask you this well that's a very interesting experience of um watching and observing creation what are they finding with watching us how, how how are we doing in this experiment? <laughs> this good question. Do um, they tell you anything like that during your meditation? They 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 didn't. They um, so on one level they would say in terms of the three D we are doing so poorly we need to ask for help. That's their message. <laughs> like they're just like you guys are destroying the environment. The society is out of whack. There's a lot of weird energies happening because of the social political thing. 
Um, they, they said that, but it, it's really not a big deal. They, they, they also say like that sort of stuff is a heightened experience as we evolve through the fourth density because mm. we have these strong, because in the fourth density, we're moving from this really strong Newtonian world of like physics or physicalized things to this fifth density unity consciousness thing where you can go use these light ships to go all these different places and portals. So we're, we're in this place of like shifting through this band of density where there's a lot of heightened manifestations and a heightened capacity to create things backwards and forwards in times in really weird ways to really mm-hmm. heighten the sense of drama that's happening. That's, that is, it's really, is like, if you've watched the process of uh, psychological complexes, like if you have a mom, mommy or daddy issue, basically, it'll work out through your partnership. And then at some point you'll have three, like two relationships, three relationships. And it just, at the last relationship where you're like, this is so obvious, I can't stand this anymore. I'm going to change. It's really a heightened experience. And, and that's where we're at. That's why we have this, this whole uh, narrative around the, the medical, military, industrial complexes is because we're about to move through that. And so in that way, it's very, very hopeful as well. And that's what they, yeah. that's what they'd say. Yeah. I've been saying that since like uh, since before 2012, since 2010, and, and I've it written in my books, and it's been a constant theme. Is that 2012 was 2555 in the in Buddhist era, and that's a year changeover into a new cycle for Earth, and it's a higher energy cycle. And so, in the higher energy cycles, everything comes up at a faster, more accelerated. So, if you're really happy and positive and you're focusing on on those kind of things more of that will come and you'll have a different experience where you have to kind of troubleshoot all of the abundance and then if you have unknown like you say mommy daddy issues or any, anything else you're, that's going to come up for you tenfold and the universe will find creative ways for you to learn and evolve from that and of course forgive that energy as well so um it it, it seems like we were we're sitting front row seats front row seats to Earth's freak show. <laughs> Welcome to the freak show. <laughs> Try not to lose it. <laughs> but the freak show is bringing up all of those dense issues for you to see the ugly and decide how you want to navigate and address the ugly and turn it into um, a path of healing a path of forgiveness, a path of setting boundaries and no more of this, you know, you carry on that conversation, but um, how will you transition out of that into some, into these higher and greater levels of consciousness and frequencies of reality? Because if you go higher and higher, you can't have that baggage. It will, it's not allowed in these higher, not because there's a choice. It's just a matter of energy. Energy can't hold those dense, those dense uh, concepts and issues. So it'll keep coming up to make you deal and dress it. So, uh, so we're we're in for a bumpy ride in terms of evolution and consciousness of humanity outside of these these older cycles of of behavior. Um, so we have to ask. Let let me ask you this. So the this great ship, you say, is a physical great ship of light, or is it something that everybody creates on their own? Uh, yeah, so there's a few different types of ships that they reference. 
Uh, one is, is like surprised me. They said there's a fleet of a fleet of uh, light ships from the Atlantean times, like created with crystal technology that exists in like the astral world or whatever. Okay. Sometimes can become physicalized, sometimes not. Uh, so and what they do they say, look like? Um, th- those are sort of, uh, you might envision them as, I mean, from a physical point of view, they, they might be sort of like we see the lights in the sky, UFO okay. phenomena, mm-hmm. but the, the actual experience is around, the, in the center, there's a room of white light, um, and then around the outside, again, it's sort of circular in nature, there's like an observation room, there's a hangout room where you eat food, is what they showed me. Uh, oh, they actually eat? They actually eat food? Okay, so it, they are... They're kind of physical beings too. It's sort of like that. It's sort. Mm. It's like. It's like. It's like. Sort of like. There's a sense of flexibility in the intelligence of the ship itself. Um, then there's like room. There, there. There's actual rooms for inhabitation. Like mm. it's like. It's so kind of surprised me because they seem very etheric type experiences. Um, so that's that's one of the that's one of the types of ships they reference. Another type is the like Vimana style mothership type uh, experience. And here there's, uh, they showed a quality of um, different dimensionality within the experience. Mm. So there are just entire worlds within these. And these can appear as like little dots of light or as these big motherships that you might recognize from the Hindu Hindu imagery of the Vimana. The Vimanas, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, generally, so it's, it's generally, it's, it's basically what you want to, where your karmic resonance is. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. messages was like, if you were here in Atlantean times, you might want to look into like what you did back then, because you may have actually created a light ship that you can use now when the galactic energies come in through like the solar flare activity or whatever, whatever, because we are receiving more and more galactic energies. This is one of the ways that your enduring soul that has lived throughout these different incarnations okay. have created. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, so in a, in a, in a, in a timeline, the Atlanteans, they exist and they create these light ships. And, um, and so if you reincarnate in this timeline and you are from that parallel Atlantean timeline that didn't get distinguished by the great flood, but you ended up existing and creating these light ships, where do you find them here? I mean, did they tell you, where do you find your light ships? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> or, or here's another question. Let's say you reincarnated and you were from the Lemurian civilization yeah. before it got uh, this, you know, taken over by the mega flood. Um, and let's say you have a, a Vimana, for example. Where do you find it? So where do we find these? Are they sitting there somewhere? Uh, do they, so do to we, give you context, yeah, I have yeah. I have past life recall of some some experiences in Atlantis. So that's, I think, why they were speaking to me about that. Mm-hmm. It's only in because of that connection, like everyone has their own connections and you can you can discover that. Um, they said um, it, it actually was, it, it's not a parallel timeline. It's actually like the, the Atlantis there died. Um, they, they could foresee, oh. uh, like it fell, like, you know, Atlantis fell, but they could foresee just like we are foreseeing some possible futures where humanity is destroyed and we've put together arcs like seed banks. We've put together uh, bunkers. We've put together uh, plans to go to Mars. They've done that too. And so these things have shifted slightly outside 
of our space time. And so you have to engage them in astral ways first is what they say. And that's what, that's one of the reasons why the dreaming practice is real. They said there's one underneath devil's tower. They were very clear about that. It's that there's one underneath devil's tower uh, in Wyoming. Um, but it gave me, the, there, there was an impression that there's thousands or many, many, many of these um, kind of that they support perhaps, you know, six to 12 individuals, that mm. kind of experience. And, uh, they, the, the sense I had is like, go out, walk in nature, start tuning into the intelligence of the, the, of mother earth who exists slightly outside of time as well. Mm-hmm. And that the beings, some, some of the beings that you can interact with have also interacted and seen those light ships and they'll help you. And it is sort of an adventure quest is sort of the invitation here. Um, I, again, I'm trying it myself. Like I walk okay. in nature and I'm like, Oh, I'd love to see the light ship. I, yeah. 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 Um, okay. Daniel. So the, we're going to send some people on a scavenger hunt here. We're giving them a couple of different ideas to t- test out for themselves. So there, there are these invisible light ships sitting around in nature um sitting on these portal points possibly because the, the the light ships travel along the grid line the ley lines right because you know because it it's less it, it, they're just traveling on the pole of the ley line across the mm. the earth or whatever so they probably sitting on one of these portal points so um I can just see a bunch of people taking these dowsing rides and going into the woods. Don't get lost. Please hike responsibly, people. Don't get lost. Bring a friend. Make some breadcrumbs so you can find your way home. You know, be responsible in your hiking. But as you are trying these out and you're doing the lay, you're looking for portal points, you find the ley lines where the portal points are and and you're sitting in there in the fairy circle or in the point where you located the maybe an energetic portal there and you're meditating one of the things you can ask is is there a uh, a light ship around here that i can investigate that that's meant for me to be able to to use um and so if you do that you're saying that the consciousness of the portal may also go yes there is one 15 feet away just walk right over there and there is one right there and it'll make itself known to you so hypothetically and you're try- i'm gonna try this out daniel with my kids Good. when we walk the trails Good. to the beach a lot and so now i'm thinking like hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean the the, I, the, the the whole message here is there's many many more beings in the world than we usually think about. These are beings that you can relate to in a conscious way. Uh, it's important to relate with a sense of belief, intention, and invitation. So this is what they've told me is the formula to work with this. So right now I'm sharing a frequency of belief because I actually believe these beings so much that I'm trying this myself. So we're all doing this together as a co-creative kind of journey into the unknown. But then, so there's a frequency of belief and possibility. And then we uh-huh. got to do, we have to set out the intention. Like, why are you doing this? Um, oh, recommend- so what would be a good intention? Okay, so that, I mean, because consciousness exploration and being uh, multidimensional and traveling the multiverse within your consciousness 
you've, you've done the work of the healing and all, you know, all, everything we talked about. So now you're, you're finding these portals in nature. If you're lucky, it might be in your backyard, but, um, and then you're, you're, you're setting up this meditation. It's this peace offering of attention. I would like to find a light ship so that I can make friends with beings within the universe using these light ship. I mean, it's, I mean, what are some good examples of some good intentions that people can genuinely put out there as an offering for, for the, the beings of the portal to help locate these ships? Uh, I would, I mean, like I personally use the embodiment of greater peace, love and unity consciousness here and now. And then we talk about what does that mean? So unity consciousness would be I need experiences of ichi contact. I actually ask for this when I do CE5 stuff and mm-hmm. have, have have like the ETs respond. It's like, I need to experience ET contact so I'm not freaked out about it, so I can hold space for others. It's just good work for all of us. Anyway, if you're curious about it, set it in the context of being of service to others. And some of it's just literally uh, like playfully responding to curiosity in discovering that this is possible because we need this wisdom, we need these connections in here to help us navigate as we move move through the fourth density and into the fifth density. We just need people to have had experiences of this. Like it's like yeah. people with cars, like nobody knew how to relate to cars. They would fall in front of cars or whatever. And so now we, it, it would, it's just being upset. And then somebody would get in a car accident and they say that bad car, you know, forever. And then that would, that would be their impression there's good and bad. There's tools. They're just tools. How you use the tools is is defining. So um, yeah, we can believe it into being, and all sci-fi is believed into being anyway. It starts with the thought and the concept, and then you know somebody's just creating it and and, and so forth. But um, yeah, I actually had a client uh, recently who was a blue being who escaped um, the the blowing up of, she had a past life aggression but her blowing up of her planet and her husband um landed in some volcano some i some uh, island up north in earth mm-hmm. a um a snowy vol- volcano but um they ended up getting pillaged by some earthlings not so friendly so I said, oh, you should have landed on the, the warmer islands, not the ice islands. <laughs> so, but oh, well, uh, that, that's a different story. But there was definitely some interesting lessons um, there that, that she learned about, about. But they were on an invisible ship, and it's on the top of a volcano, an inactive volcano. So you're saying, which is funny, because you're saying there are these invisible light ships all over the earth just sitting around can people like walk through them oh yeah or do I they like imagine. if they I mean, run into the to these invisible ships they just oh I, I found something i mean how is it is it yeah i i would imagine i mean these things have a consciousness to them so it's it's sort of like i, I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't accidentally step into them. I mean, there, I think there would be some strange configurations of events that would cut like the, like the natural portal system opening up, but generally it, you, you wouldn't have the, you, you would just walk through it. It would just be, maybe you would feel chills if you're sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what, and I, I think actually mm-hmm. given the, given the instructions to like go out and walk in nature and tune in, tune in. So you're like tuning in with your heart and learning about the frequencies 
from from those light ships or whatever and then you're recognizing that through so, something extrasensory um but again so it's like belief intention and invitation is the formula they gave to uh, these light ships in particular and then the invitation would be the conscious permission so just like we uh just like we in human relationships have consent boundaries like you would never kiss someone without having the consent beforehand otherwise we call it uh something else than, mm-hmm. than like a- a- like consented relationships so too these conscious beings need consent from us at um, not just the conscious level it, it, we can say yeah we want i want to see a ufo i want to see an et come to my come to dinner right um but actually it needs to vibrate at many many different levels and mm. I, I give the metaphor of quitting smoking as uh because i i was addicted to cigarettes for years and i was like i am going to quit cigarettes and i use my voice to express my conscious intent and i still smoke cigarettes every day it wasn't until i was able to create a sense of coherence between my subconscious mind my conscious mind going through the process of healing and of learning how to establish that rapport it was mm-hmm. only after that I was able to express my conscious intent to my body in a way that it responded and quit smoking cigarettes. So mm-hmm. in the same way, we have to go, I give permission and invitation to the light ships coming into my life or me into them, but there might actually be a series of experiences, mm-hmm. a series that expands your capacity to actually give that permission. So that's mm-hmm. why they say be more open than closed to send out these intents and things like that um, and to really establish rapport. And like you said, discernment. Um, so you really, it's, it's really a relationship building experience. Um, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hot dog down your arm to be trying to find some light ships in the woods. <laughs> we'll see. And I don't, I, yeah, I'm sure I will. And I don't need to um, share my ship with anybody else. So if it happens, it happens. But, you know, but again, even if you find something and somebody else, it's not within their energy signature, they're not going to be able to see it anyways. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, like with the Atlantean ones, they it was specifically a working from several different versions of my life, like several different incarnations work together to create this situation. So it's really, really tuned to yeah. the situation. Um, yeah. I would suspect that every single person has the capacity to tune into something like this. Mm-hmm. Every single soul has something like this. And really the knowledge here of the light shifts was offered specifically in the for the experience of ascension, the actual movement and navigation of the uh, galactic energies as they come in through like the solar flare events and things like that, because there's going to be mass. Sometimes we might, we might expect some sort of massive experience. And so Mm -hmm. to navigate that we need some vehicle. And so those have already been prepared is what they're saying by the work of several different lifetimes. And that we, if we, so that's that's one of the contexts of this knowledge coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily to like fly around and have fun, but rather to help us navigate this ascension experience. Um, okay, so let's talk about this ascension experience. Um, okay, so uh, my definition of ascension is to just level up your frequency to higher levels of consciousness. And when you level your frequency to higher levels of consciousness, through all the different ways in which we've discussed and more. Um, you put yourself into a match to a reality 
that is in line with whatever energy signature you're at. So, you know, matching frequencies. So, um, so some of these channel aliens or aliens, um, they invite us to become gods and they will teach us how to ascend. So first question with that is, how can we become gods if we are already a fractal expression of God itself embodied into in each and every one of us uh, experienced its own creations firsthand. So can you just, can you explain how do we become gods if we are fractal expressions? Yeah. Um, so the understanding here is that we are already God. There's nothing else to do. We're already enlightened activity. We're already Christ. If we're experiencing anything different, it's literally just uh, egoic, conceptual, persona, mind thing. This is a very Buddhist understanding of being a misapprehension of reality. So mm. when we suffer, when we think we're uh, identified as this ego mind complex thing, we're, we're, it's just literally a pattern of mind that creates these projections and reflections and experiences that feel very real. But ultimately, we're God. Um, in this context, the sense here uh, also relies on the, the notion of God incarnating into matter to know itself and then coming back to the experience of God. So there's it, there seems to be an experience of transformation and growth of that consciousness through mm-hmm. this experience. Like it, it's it's not just I'm I I'm the fractal of God expressed in Daniel and then I'm going to return back to source as source. There's some, I'm going to have my fingerprint now. Daniel's fingerprint will be on this God consciousness forever, and it'll become the next version of Daniel or something like that. So the invitation here is to use the practices of mind, again, like meditation, lucid dreaming, to realize and to establish an identity in the egoic mind processes that you yourself are God, all things are one. And this to me looks very similar like Mahayana Buddhist practices where we, where we see all, all beings as one and can see that's why we should be of service to them ultimately because we're all one thing. And that's really establishment of these patterns of mind. Yeah. Right, right. So for like what comes to mind for me, I know, uh, Daniel, you do, um, hip, you know, regression hypnosis and, and so do I as one of the modalities in which to help uh, your clients. And one of the things is to, is to accept that you are multidimensional or you are multifactor fractal so you are having your identity and your individual experience as well as you are ha- you are part of the whole of the consciousness of god itself and you can exist in both both existences at the same exact time just depends on the viewpoint in which you look at so what for some people they're going to have a really hard time thinking in multiplicity of self where they're like well how can i be that if i'm here right here I'm here right here. How can I be that? It's like, well, how can you exist when you were a baby and you're here right here as an adult? Yep. In an, in another time frame, you existed as a baby, you existed as a teenager, you existed as a, you know, you know, what uh, whatever it is that you exist at. Those existences still exist in this time frame, but right now you're focused on the age and, and the experience you're having right now. And so it doesn't take away from those other um, experiences of self as existing right now. So, um, and, and so, you know, this, this is a, a, a difference in the thought process 
of seeing yourself in singularity and then seeing yourself in multiplicity. So what you're saying is um, it, these Enochian angels are inviting us to open ourselves up to, to understand and see ourselves in multiplicity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they give a metaphor very similar to like dreaming. So the understanding here is when we have a dream, there are dozens of characters and dozens of situations, and we're identified generally with only one, uh, mm -hmm. which is the dreaming body, the person having the experience in the dream. But when we wake up, we go, oh, my gosh, I'm something completely different. And mm -hmm. actually, I was I was the nightmare monsters. I was the... I was the person that I thought I was, and I was actually the situation of the dream itself. I was all of those things. And if we can think about that and remember that in the case of dreaming, we've got one side of an analogy in our experience that we can carry over here and go, okay, so then therefore, therefore, if I wake up from this waking world experience, I will discover that I've, I'm all of these things and the situation that I found myself in, and not just the one animal body I've been identified with for mm -hmm. all my life or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. So um, so let me let me let me ask you this about navigating the existence that you're in right now. So I I the consciousness exploration and you know we're traveling we're talking about uh, traveling the multiverse using our consciousness and you know scaling up these different frequencies in our consciousness. Um, we're doing that in a time where uh, there's a lot of uh, changes in our realities that's happening, like whether it's the politics are trying to figure itself out, the economy is trying to figure itself out, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the medical tyranny is trying, and the currency, all of this stuff is trying to figure itself, it's trying to sort itself out. And um, as, it's almost like we are consciousness archaeologists. Okay, so let me give you an example. In the early 1900s, there was a lot of archaeology to uh, investigate the Great Pyramids of Egypt. All right. At that time, the archaeologists still had to navigate the wars and the feuding and the chaos happening in the in the region as they're doing the work and then navigating the nuances of you know, the third right, that presence, et cetera, et cetera. So they had all of these other presences and factors they had to navigate in their reality to do their work and do the investigation of the Great Pyramids, bring that knowledge forth. And now moving forward, we are in, we're still learning about, you know, pyramid, pyramid technology, and then all the stuff that we found from the Great Pyramids that we excavated. But it took a lot of navigating the chaos of the current time. And so here we are doing these consciousness archaeology and exploration. And now people are going to be going out into the woods and trying to find light sheds, trying to find portals, trying to make connections with fairies and make connections with just different nature spirits, being mindful, being also not stupid and put yourself into a situation where you completely get lost. Um, so th there's a, there's a, there's a lot of factors involved with this, but at the same time, um, there's a current political climate as well that they're navigating at the same time as they're doing this, this exploration and this work. So what, what recommendations 
do the knocking angels have for us in terms of navigating the real world nuances while we're doing this metaphysical exploration? Okay. Sir, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, so don't go into a military area that's closed out, you know, that that forest might have a really nice portal or everything's pointing to that spot, but then it's like that that that's a closed out military area. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say it's like we have to we have to not give our power over to these other sides, right? We are human beings that have a strong capacity. We are multidimensional in nature. I would say from that point of view, my my advice as a practitioner and as a human says, be discerning, understand yourself to be the source of understanding of your own dream experiences. Be reasonable, take reasonable action. Don't think you can fly just because beings are telling you to, right? Like that sort of thing. So don't do anything unreasonable. Uh, You will know when the other side talks to you. Like you don't have to make this stuff up. You can see it. You can feel it. It's at the same time as me doing the Book of Galactic Light, I had messages from dozens of people in my life that were synchronous and meaningful. I ran uh, very physicalized CE5 experiences with radio contact. Like I have 40 hours of video of two radios that are n- anomalously behaving. And I say, mm-hmm. there's something here. I don't know what it is. They're not. So, so you, you establish rapport and meaning you're, you're getting to know the other side. You wouldn't do anything like if like you're dating someone and it says, Hey, jump off a cliff. Like you wouldn't do that. It doesn't make sense. So you, you establish a sense of trust with someone. And then after that sense of trust, if they say, come here, come here, come here really quick, you're in danger. Then you follow that prompting because you have that trust already built up. Then lo and behold, you might discover, yeah, there was a message there or something like that. So that from a human point of view is the, is my, is my expression here. Um, I just don't want people to get into, get into, you know, deep heat. exploration. Okay. So let's consider this hypothesis. Okay. Uh, let's, this is a hypothesis. Let's offer free vaccines to rid the planet of a deadly virus. By the time that people realize it, much of the population is mostly infertile and sickly, which was the intent of the fake vaccines. Within a couple of decades, the, pl- the planet is barren of humans and free for the takeover and because the human leadership was deceived with ego. Sounds like a pretty good sci-fi movie, huh? So um, what if that is how the wool is pulled over our eyes? Like I've, I've spoken with many alien collectives via hypnosis and meditation, et cetera, and so as others. And they're still learning the lessons of forgiveness, acceptance, and unconditional love. So um, in Buddhism, discernment, and this keeps coming up, discernment is a basic and powerful lesson in spiritual journeys. How much discernment should be practiced when it comes to contacting with aliens, um, giving us tools for ascension, new earth, and our direct connection with source within? Because when you open yourself up to communicate with lots of different beings, you know, there's, you're going to get lots of different messages and, you know, some might play you for a fool. Some might be helpful. There's good and bad in all. That's just the nature of duality, the nature of 
existence is there there's going to be a there's going to be positives and negatives in everything so there's a lot of discernment when you're traveling these different ex experiences so what do you want to say about that because uh, humans give away <laughs> their power so easily when they come across new beings yeah, there's, there's two things that are really important to understand about this concept. One is the invitation that the Book of Galactic Light puts forward in these angels are to embody unity consciousness first. This is the important thing because you can embody fifth density, fifth dimensional consciousness here and now, wherever you are, even in this medical tyranny, as you, as you call it, you can embody that. And from that experience, you'll understand and be able to discern. Is that, is that source message, is that message from the ETs offering technology from the point of view of unity consciousness, from the higher densities, or is it still stuck in the lower densities? The second, the second thing I, I, I would say, or they would say about this is an understanding of the density. So we're, um, we're talking about third, fourth, and fifth densities here and now on planet Earth. We were in the third density for a while. We're now actually actively in the fourth density. We're shifting into the fifth density. A lot mm -hmm. of the nefarious evil ETs that come and, you know, you know, have deals with Eisenhower to take up ductees to whatever, those are fourth density beings. And actually it's, it's important to know how that works um, because these are fourth density beings that sometimes pose as fifth density, sometimes trick you. That's where the, like, I think a lot of the like uh, secret space program stuff is coming from is these highly advanced fourth density creatures. These hmm. are creatures that can go backwards and forwards in time. And so one of the messages of the book of galactic light is to um, start with the unity consciousness, start with where you're at. And uh, one of the, one of the things that they are particular about is how this works, right? So we have like remote viewers that reach out to go, where are the ETs in our world? Where's the draconian versus Pleiadian battles? Like all this sort of Star Wars type experience through remote viewing, through channeling. As it turns out, they say that the world is very narrative-based, story-based. It loves that story. It loves the consciousness of that. And so it may actually create those enemies, like the draconian mm. enemies, by going backwards in time, because time doesn't matter in the top end of the fourth density. It can, it can, it can really go backwards and forwards in time. So they they say like the sense of reaching out and exploring these evil alien empires as they're fighting against the galactic federation or whatever in the world, that activity of these psychics are actually creating a lot of that battle. Mm. And actually saying this is sort of like what happens in between the fourth and the fifth density is they, mm. they're saying this is sort of is sort of like having oil and water and a bunch of cork or whatever that's floating in between the two densities. Mm -hmm. This sort of this sort of like alien takeover through whatever, like that's that's happening all the time. And yeah, we, we really need to pierce through that first by embodying unity consciousness, by practicing meditation and love for self and forgiveness of others. And then from there, that sense isn't as potent or as powerful. Right, right. So it's almost like there's a little consciousness, I don't know if the correct word is war going on, where the people who are focusing on 
consciousness manifestation uh, and anchoring in the higher versions of reality and others is focusing on anchoring in kind of more like you said like the star wars uh you know do feuding the negative narrative um alien invasion that kind of stuff so you know um i want to you know with with that question i want to leave this buddhist quote because as people get into consciousness exploration they are going to be coming across different levels of consciousness and different beings and this is why in buddhism boundaries and discernment is so critical because you can get burned <laughs> you can get burned um because you're in a space that is uh and there's different levels you know in a, as you get to the higher higher levels you know every, everything's hunky-dory and and magical but until you get into those levels, there's beings at different levels and they're going to test you to see if you are ready for the higher levels. So um, the quote that comes to mind is, to be aware of truth, you may have gotten the wrong half of the truth. Furthermore, real friends are never lost. You lose people masquerading as friends. So Daniel, um, are these other beings or alien races genuine friends of humanity or are they masquerading as friends? Good question. Um, I would say uh, if anyone needs to answer that question, they likely are masquerading as friends. Like you have to have direct personal experience of these things, right? Like if, if you're worried about the, the being that you're interacting with, like go through the process of discernment, really consider are these, are these friends or not? I did that whole process with, uh, with relating to these beings, uh, mm. the beings that I related to. I had to, I mean, cause it, it was associated with a lot of dark magic uh, between mm. John D and Hearth. It was associated with the empire and colonization. I go, are these good or bad? And I said, actually, actually they're not, just like I understand there are some incarnations that are more evil than others, but the soul itself has a different level of quality, especially a diff when you reach to these different frequencies. So the, the thing here is to understand, and this is one of the experiences that are, is kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Sometimes these beings are actually that I've talked to really do have invited me to identify them in some way as like reptilian as some way as related to the like draconian side of things um as some way like the gray aliens that sort of thing these are characters that show up in the communication but the the sense is is they themselves have an aspect of consciousness that's deeper than those incarnations within even those even the alien collectives right the alien collectives are embodiments of source so we're depending on who you're talking to if you're talking to the leaf like instead of the trunk the leaf yeah yeah you got to use a lot of discernment but when you're like close to the source consciousness and you can really feel it through the heart energy it's 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 friends because it's actually you in some way that has incarnated in all of these things mm -hmm. as source consciousness but when we get down to this third density thing we really need to use discernment. We need to, because we, our experience in this, in this historical space time isn't one of um, 
isn't one of like identification with creator all the time. Like those are our, our saints, those are our Buddhas. But as us as humans, we, we work from concepts, we work from these different duality experiences. And so um, a, lot of the, a lot of this stuff I see happening, especially in regards to the galactic wars, is these are friends that I would say are masquerades. This, this is a masquerade. The, the sense of the, like the, um, like the good savior, the alien savior, th- by way of like uh, people sometimes talk about the Ashtar Command or Galactic Federations clearing the galaxy of like the Nazi reptilians. This is a narrative that's, that's like rather, rather large in terms of secret space program. I'd say both sides of those, the good and the bad, are posing are are not friends. They look like the good side looks like friends, but that's literally because they're inviting us for a further identification in polarity. Mm. When we go, Oh, this is a light thing that creates the capacity for darkness um, as opposed to seeing both in balance. And then that that's the, the middle way is what I would recommend to be honest. Yeah. So, so even, I mean, cause it, it, I say this in politics um, you can say this also in economics, and now we're saying this in consciousness consciousness exploration into higher uh, dimensions of reality um, through this these different explorations. These good and bad guys in the narratives are just two sides of the same hand. Yep. Okay, so they exist so that you can discern from the two and then decide what to do next, you know, kind of navigate between the two and come out the other side with maybe a different experience that's much more pleasant than taking a, taking a side. Okay. That's a hard lesson. That's a hard lesson, Daniel. Um, Let's see what everybody gets. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard lesson for me. I would love, I would have loved to have talked to beautiful Pleiadian extraterrestrials through this ritual, but it's, it's, they're really saying, Hey, if you, if you are deifying light and attached to light, you are actually literally and truly, truly causing suffering in your life because of the attachment to those things. This is Buddhist in understanding. It's like, we need to stop being attached Right. And dropping down to like a moment to moment identification with enlightened activity that's already happening. Mm. Um, And in that way, we don't have to see ourselves as deficient or needing this this light savior to come into our life. Mm -hmm. We can see ourselves as both aspects and then actually choose to take the path of the light. So that's my choice. It's like, I go, okay, I'm all these things. What do I choose to do? Well, I want to hang out with my sons. I want to live a beautiful life. I want to walk in nature. That's what I want to do. But if I have to let go of my egoic understanding of myself as a light warrior in Mm -hmm. order to do that, I'll do that so I can be actually present in my life instead of attached to an illusion that is harmful in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, it goes back to how you want to live your present, the highest version of your present. Well, Daniel, this is fascinating. What is the last message you have for humanity? Because there's a lot in the book to explore deeper. And we have asked a lot of very tough. I've asked you a lot of very tough questions for a reason so that, um, you know, it brings up even more questions to explore as people read the book. So what's the last message you want to leave people with? 
Thank you. Yeah, the last message I want to leave you with is that you, yourself, anyone who's listening to this, you are source consciousness. You are unity consciousness. You are the love. You are the light. You're also the, those other sides. This whole experience is an experience of you dreaming your experience into being. And so you have the choice and capacity to relate with all aspects of this in, in, and you're actually invited to do that with a sense of love and self-love. So mm. if you need an experience of that, you can really reach out to the highest frequency according to those principles. We talked about the principle of non-harm, the principle of free will. You reach mm. out to those beings for the assistance to help you develop your own identification and experience. They will not let you rely on them. They will make you kind of develop. They, they are like good teachers in that way. And if, if someone is asking for your reliance or your continued devotion, whatever, yeah, devotion. Yeah. Watch out. Uh -huh. Yes. Continuous service. And yes. Yep. So thank they, you, Daniel. That was really good. That was a good discernment tool. And I want you to repeat that. I want you to repeat that because um, as you get into higher levels of consciousness, um, it's, it's easy. We give away, we give away our, our power so much as human beings. Um, the savior figure, the real savior figure is going to follow the rules of the universe, which is wisdom, which is you will care for yourself. You will find your own solutions. We'll give you the tools, we'll give you options, we'll give you ideas, but you will find the right one for yourself. You will be the one planting the seed and growing the forest. You will be the one harvesting your own abundance. We will teach you, we'll provide for you, we'll do all that, but it's still you creating your reality because you are a fractal essence of uh, God itself, experiencing itself through you. And that is a universal uh, code in, in all. So that's really, really important because as you get into these different um, engagements with different beings, it's easy to just, oh, come on in, do I, come on in and take over and just give me whatever, uh, you know, I'm ready for the easy, easy, easy train. Um, and yes, it can be relatively easy, but there is a lot of work on your part as well to manifest that experience. So I love that. Well, Daniel, thank you for such an interesting conversation. I love that. I, you really getting more and more questions. Um, anything else? I think there's one more thing you want to bring forth about your last message. Oh, uh, I you know, it's it's really the sense is like the the I think the angels would say there's immense invitation here and now, immense invitation given the context that we've already talked about. Like we're not we're not going to, the light ships will not take you back to Pleiades and Sirius for the long haul. It's you can go on excursions, right? And I'm talking to the star seeds here that want to leave or whatever. The the work is here and now where you're at. You can you can have excursions, but it's where you're at because you chose to be here, um, and so there is an immense invitation to work with the other side and the angels. Um, but it is in the context of what <laughs> what you described. So there's a little bit of a catch twenty two there, but really try it out and use the principles of the discernment, and uh, that's 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 the final message, I suppose, is a, a expression of that invitation. 
I love it. I love it. Well, um, Daniel, again, love the conversation. So for more information about the Galactic Light Language and to get the book for yourself to read fully all the details of what Daniel got through his uh, 49 chants of the Enochian Light Language um, ritual, uh, or to schedule a hypnosis session with Daniel, please visit his website, CosmicDreamSanctuary.org. And thank you kindly for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.